0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, recruiting, basketball, hockey, so on and so on. Uh, We are obviously through the Michigan Insider on 247sports.com. You can read all of our stories at the themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. I'm your host, Zach Shaw, writer on the site. Steve Lorenz joining me on the phone, also a writer. We write a lot more than we podcast, so check it all out at our site. Uh, but today's show, we are hockey's is, is done. They lost in the Frozen Four to Notre Dame with six seconds to go. Basketball is done. Uh, they, we got a couple questions about it, so we will be we will be addressing that at the top, and then the rest of the show we got a little bit of recruiting tidbits. We've got some good insight on on who's standing out at camp, at spring camp. I guess it's not camp, spring practice, and and then a little bit. of, We got a couple football questions that we're gonna break down as well. So it should be a fun show. We will start with basketball, though. Rick Moody, uh, frequent question asker says, I think the 2019 basketball team can be better than the 2018 team. Am I crazy? And so this I I like this question. Well, I like it in some ways, because it's it's also shows you what people value in in a good team. And, And so what I mean by that is, you are not i don't think the 2019 team is going to win the national title now if they look really really good and things really really fall into place that's one thing but i think there's five or six teams that i would definitely put ahead and i'd probably slot them probably around 12th depending on a couple decisions that that michigan's gonna make and and other teams as well Uh, but that said you know if they were the number 12 team all season they might be, I, I would think that possibly their season might be better, right? They might, they might win the Big Ten. You know, John Beeline always says he values, se- you know, to him, the Big Ten regular season title is as meaningless as it may seem is his testament to who the best team is because that's what you do all season. You know, March can be kind of fluky. Loyola Chicago was not the fourth best team in the country this season. So, so it's an interesting question. And before we fully answer it, though, uh, we got another question from Dave Turns or Turnez, who says, "How is there room for Mo Wagner to return? I don't expect him to, but there isn't an available scholarship for him yet. So, so we're kind of going to try to t- tackle both at the same time. It goes without saying if Mo Wagner was to return, he, he would. There would be some processing involved. Now, that might not necessarily be uh, bad for anybody because every every year there are transfers." There are there are people who decide to go somewhere where they might get more playing time, uh, somewhere where they might get a fresh start with it, with a new coaching staff. And Michigan, over the last six seasons, has had uh, 12 players depart early. And I think only four of them were transfers, maybe maybe six were or six, six went to the NBA early and the rest were transfers. So he's averaging about a transfer per year. So I don't think it's it's unreasonable. You know, I think I think they're kind of seeing that option as open. Uh, I think based on what we talked, when we talked to Beeline and and, and folks yesterday, sounds like these decisions are going to come sooner rather than later. But you can tell that there, there might be some transferring and other attrition because they are looking at grad transfers and they are looking at recruits. And so so Steve, let's let's tackle the first one first. It, let's assume Mo is gone. That is my hunch. I don't think he's I don't think there's that same kind of room for him to move up in the draft that there was last season. Apparently they you know, he's projected mid second round, but that's with better rebounding, better consistency and better defense and better exposure. So that makes me think that, you know, he might he might want to just go now before you know, start making money before something. You know, before it gets worse, because he actually fell in a lot of draft uh, pools, and so so he's gonna he he wants to go while he has his shot, and also he's ready. I mean, you know, unless he, the next step for him would be to be Big Ten Player of the Year. So it's kind of it's one of those things where you know I think the door is certainly open for him to come back, but I let's assume he's gone. Can the 2019 team be better than the 2018 team? And I will I will preface this by saying if we had asked the same question last year I think we would have said n- no tentatively without Zach Irvin and Derek Walton and without a you know jaw dropping recruiting class like this 2018 one so I'm leaning toward maybe but Steve what are your thoughts? Um, I mean on paper
1: it, it, we're we're assuming Wagner's gone right
0: right Wagner's gone Matthews is back.
1: Uh, I mean, it, I think it'd be close. I think a big reason for that is because of Matthew's emergence, Mm -hmm. um, different player at the end of the year, defensive stopper turned into a legitimate offensive weapon. I mean, he was great early in the season against, you know, some poor competition, but really turned it on in the tournament. Um, you know, I think he's dynamic, you know, a potential star for them next season, but you know, the thing is the thing I kinda can't wrap my head around offensively, especially, is just what how pivotal Wagner was to just the way they like to run yeah. their offense. And they won't have a guy like that on the roster next season. Um Tesky you know, can't
0: but, hit him from three, but he can't hit him at forty percent.
1: Exactly. You know, yeah. and they may try to work on that a little bit or whatever, but yeah, it's not going to be the same, uh, you know, cause Teske's a guy isn't going to blow by you either too, when he tries to put, you know, if he's to, to try, if they're trying to turn him into a in and out guy, when he's out, he's not going to be able to occasionally get to the basket. Like Wagner was, you know, so successful in doing, you know, after drawing those guys out the perimeter. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Though I I'd say with Matthew's emergence, I'd say about the same. Just because the the big thing, the other big thing to me too is I I think we should expect some of those true freshmen to really take some big steps forward next year. Uh, I think Jordan Poole is the obvious candidate there mm-hmm. to to take a huge leap forward, uh, especially on the offensive end. I mean, he kind of has nowhere to go but up. Defensively, you know, so anything any Huge progress they get from him there would be kind of icing on the cake. And then Isaiah Livers, too, yeah, a guy that really didn't get talked about. We didn't really talk about him a lot. He kind of faded away offensively, you know, throughout the second half of the season, kind of became more of a defensive specialist. I personally thought he was a little too passive on the offensive end. I think he, if he'd asserted himself a little bit more in certain instances, he still could have been, you know, pretty effective in spots there. I think he became a little bit too passive at points but you know I think he's a guy already kind of has the defensive side of the ball down to an extent obviously can get better but you know I think offensively really he's a guy that could grow you know big time next year and uh, and and establish himself as a all-conference type candidate uh, in some regard so it's I mean there's just so many moving pieces I just I guess I'd say just a little bit I would say that this team this year a little bit better. And I think it's just because Wagner was so unique, uh you know, that they're not going to have that, that guy, this is going to be next year's team will be sort of more of your standard beeline team at Michigan with, a, you know, a lot of wings that can hit from hmm. deep, yeah, Um you know, type of thing, but not that stretch guy who can, you know, just really open up, you know, think about it. Like, think about how Simpson was successful offensively. It's when Wagner would draw the bigs out in the perimeter and Simpson would read it and get to the lane, you know, and, and score. He's not going to, I don't see him having that benefit next year with Wagner gone. No. So, you know what I mean? So I I think that that's going to hinder a lot of things when they're with a, uh, a point guard who's limited offensively. I think the only way Simpson takes a step forward is if his, if he works on his shooting stroke, uh, which, obviously it went away you know as the season went on so Mm -hmm. a little bit worse I think on on paper just off the top of my head but yeah Wagner comes back I mean that's their national championship contender yeah they are for sure for sure because you got between Johns and uh, Iggy and probably what the Julius especially those three you have three more guys coming in and I think Eli Brooks is a guy to watch next year too I'm not
0: sleeping on him at all I think He's still gonna have a good shot. So. Yeah, well, and you know, I think he was, him and Isaiah Livers. I talking to them during these. We're really th- lucky to have open locker rooms during these tournament runs, so we got to know them pretty well with their what ten postseason games, the most you could possibly play. And so, um, I got the sense that they, they were kind of, they were kind of, especially Eli. I think Michigan just reached a certain point where they were like, you know what. It's not going to happen this year, and, and and that wasn't necessarily he did anything wrong, but they said just focus on on learning, you know we're going to have you lift with Sanderson more, we're going to have you grow like like it's nothing wrong with it, you know, and I think there's a there's a decent um, decent list of freshmen who kind of had that treatment, DJ Wilson, Mo Wagner, you know Xavier Simpson a little bit Xavier Simpson still had to play, uh, but you know you can go down the list of. Players, who, I mean, I think Karis LeVert, I'd have to double-check to see what his minutes were like. But, you know, there, there were other players out there who, you know, started playing a little bit as freshmen. It didn't quite click. And then they kind of hit a bit of a wall, not as in practice, but in games. And just it wasn't in stepping up. So so I'm with you on, on Eli Brooks, and I'm with you on Livers. I think, you know, him getting a reset and kind of being... Kind of being able to reflect on things, I think that's gonna really help him. I think becoming a little bit more I I not that he wasn't durable, but I think someone who can, you know, play big time minutes, I think that'll help him or be you know, that explosiveness that he has at times, if that can be maintained, you know, he's got a real shot at being something special. I, I'm I would be stunned personally if Jordan Poole didn't make a big step because his maturity and how he grew throughout the season mentally was wildly impressive. He's gifted at making plays and being and getting buckets and it's just the mental lapses. And I think, I think, you know, some of that, you know, it's still, there's still a gap between point A and point B, but I think if, if his biggest problem is that sometimes he just has uh, possessions that, that are, you know, beelines pulling his hair out, I think you can work with you can work with someone who, with that kind of talent who just needs to figure out how to use it. Uh, so so I think they're going to be worse. And I wrote about it this morning because Muhammad Ali Abdul Rahman and Duncan Robinson are going to be very hard to replace. And it's just and it's not like you know, it's it's not just like next man up with those two. Those two you know, and you can say that probably about every senior captain in some way. But I think I think first of all Duncan Robinson. Michigan never lost when he scored six or more points. That isn't just like a weird coincidental stat. That's right. him spacing the offense. I mean, I remember, I think it was it was either Fran McCaffrey or Mark Turgeon said, we basically play regular defense, and then if he hits the first one, we have to be out there next to him all game, because otherwise mm-hmm. he'll hit five on us. And so, so I mean, you know, it's a real thing. And, and I think Isaiah Livers, we saw, he can shoot. He can stretch the floor. But until he's doing it all the time... You know, it's going to be the same problem that you were mentioning with Mo Wagner, that, you know, it's not going to they're not going to necessarily believe him. So they're going to kind of cheat in. That takes away some of Matthew's points. That takes away some of Simpson's points. You know, anyone who's a, a natural driver instead of a shooter, uh, it's going to suddenly have a little bit less space to work with. And and so so I think, you know, there's there's a couple key questions. You know, I, I think Jordan Poole's is going to improve a ton how much that's a big one you know what exactly do Ignis dykes and brandon johns bring cuz i think you and i have talked about it they seem like they're ready to go they seem right. like you know they're eating right they're they're doing college level workouts they're playing like college players you know they're 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 not people who need to put on 10 15 pounds like they're they're ready to rock it's just a matter of is that is that like isaiah livers freshman year or is that like uh Nick Stauskas freshman year, and obviously they're, you know, those are all different players that we're lumping into this. But you know, are you someone who's contributing and, and giving you quality minutes? or Are you someone who's winning you basketball games if you're Michigan? So, so that's a big question. And then you know, what what Simpson and Matthews can do with the shooting, because I think that's gonna if they if they can start hitting their threes and they can maintain it all season, uh, you really. You have to like their chances of you know being in that same kind of let's let's say top ten is what Michigan was this season. I don't think they were the number two team in the country. you know, i I think they had a had a great run, but they were in that top ten for sure by the end of it. You know, will they be back to that? I think it depends on those those key questions. Uh, as far as Wagner, yeah, I just kind of mentioned it. I don't know if he's gonna move up in the draft stock. Um, uh, certainly. So, I mean, as far as the the creating room, like, just look around college basketball. 40% of college players transfer at some point in their career. Uh, it's it's something that people know is part of the territory when they sign up for this. So, so and, and both coaches and players. So, we shall see my hunch again, judging by the body language he had yesterday. You know, he was kind of asked what, what his criteria is. And he he kind of really dodged the question. He even admitted he was dodging the question, but... Um, said it's not it's not a first round criteria like it was last year and to me that's a sign of someone who is feels like they are ready for the next step you know yes he could maybe come back and average 17 points a game or average 10 rebounds a game or be big 10 player of the year you know there there is technically room to grow but as far as if we're being realistic how much further up the draft is he going to go I don't I don't think it's that much for if he if he fell in the eyes of some, this after what he did this past season, you know, I would almost say go before you fall out of the draft altogether. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, he 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 upped his rebounds by three and a half. You know, his scoring upped by two and a half. His defense looked pretty good. There were some lapses, especially early on, but looked pretty good. And last season he scored single digits, like half the. I think it was in fourteen games. This year he only did it in seven, and he played six more or. Er, Couple more games, so so in my eyes, you know he did a lot of work, and if it, if it's not moving him up in the draft, you know unless he has a personal, it's kind of like with Chase Winovich, unless he has a personal uh, motivation to stay, which I don't think he should after they went to the national championship game and won the Big Ten tournament. He's got two more rings, three three fifths of the way down his finger now you know, unless he has a personal motivation to stay or desire to stay, I think he should go. Anyway, that's enough basketball. Obviously, we'll always take basketball questions. Should be an interesting offseason cuz Matthews, I don't expect him to go, but I do th- expect him to learn as much as he can from this draft process. So things might be in flux for a while. I guess we shall see. Uh, I think I think we'll know what each player what direction each player wants to go, as far as declaring for the draft, agent, no agent, come back. You know, we'll we'll, we'll kind of have a better sense by the end of the week. Anyway, on to football. Let's let's take care of a couple questions first. We are going to talk about players that are standing out to us at each position. Uh, but first, question from Ty Ramol or Ramoli uh, said, "What made U.M. fans hop off the Brandon Peters hype train so fast?" For a young guy, I thought he played really well, given his opportunities. I get that he did not have a stellar performance in the bowl game, but I think there were factors like pass pro and receivers not being open. Would not be upset if he was the quarterback that started against Notre Dame. By the way, shout out to Ty, because he used exclamation points at the end of every single one of those sentences. Uh, so he's a very excited guy. I, I'm always a fan of that. But, Steve, but regarding Brandon Peters, I mean – the, to answer the question shortly and bluntly, it's because of the Outback Bowl, and he had 100%. he had weeks and weeks to prepare, and it was not a good showing. Uh, but is that is it fair? Because we've seen quarterbacks I mean, Jake Rudock had games where he didn't look good, and and they were early on in his tenure as the starter. And you know, Devin Gardner, I don't know. Maybe Devin Gardner's not the bastion to hold him to, but you see quarterbacks. You know, if the line isn't there or if the receivers aren't there I remember the weather was terrible down in Tampa i was I was very glad I was in the press box that day uh, despite being at the beach most of that week uh, that was a good day to be to be in the press box you know how much is is it fair to judge him on his outback bowl performance as much as fans are or do you think no. this is someone who probably still has a lot of potential to, to be a, a a good quarterback for Michigan
1: well, of course when you get fans involved it's it's never fair uh fans are always out for blood when their team doesn't do what they want them to do so um it is it's all because of the Outback Bowl think about what happened when he went down against Wisconsin Michigan was still in that game until he got hurt then they never crossed the 50 yard line for the rest of the game um i you know i think he i do think it's a little unfair now that doesn't mean that let's just operate under the assumption that Patterson is granted eligibility. Uh, It can be, the the answer can be both that it's, it is unfair to Peters, but also that he's probably going to have an uphill battle to start over Patterson. In my opinion, I think most people would share that opinion too. So I think it's just kind of a a mix. Um, You know, I thought he performed pretty well given those same circumstances. I mean, they had a right hole at right tackle or a, a black hole at right tackle which is what put him out, mm-hmm. got him hurt in the first place, you know, and uh, just inconsistency across the board. It's a young offense was starting what nine, ten, new starters last year, something along those lines. Yeah, I, mean, I think it was a little
0: less, but new starters at all the positions that are relevant to a quarterback. You 100%. know, they had running backs, they had good yeah. run blocking yeah. linemen, but not a whole lot in the passing game. Yep. No
1: passing game and no pass protection on the outside. Uh, you know,
0: Cole obviously
1: performed pretty well, but on that right side, as we said, so, uh, so yeah, no, I think it's definitely unfair to him. I think, you know, but like I said, I think it's it's going to be an uphill battle for both he and McCaffrey this year if Patterson is indeed uh, made eligible immediately. So, uh, but I don't, I, I, wouldn't, I, I'm not write, I wouldn't write him off, I guess, is the best way to put it. I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. Uh, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I wouldn't write him off based on what he did in the Outback Bowl, which is right now what people are only remembering him mm-hmm. for, is that performance. Um, much like we always, we've we talked about almost every podcast about you know, like the play calling and stuff, uh, people are only going to remember that Outback Bowl. They're not going to remember the Ohio State game where the play calling was, by and large, excellent and created open spaces for their receivers that were just missed by, you know, some some poor quarterback play. So uh, it's kind of that same deal. I think, like I said, I think the Outback Bowl really kind of jaded things up, kind of messed things up a little bit, like uh, just perception-wise, because you could see some progress from Michigan offensively as the season wore on, uh, but then they just laid an egg across the board, yeah. uh, you know, in the Outback Bowl, and it really just kind of put ended things on a sour note.
0: Did you watch the Amazon documentary at all?
1: I haven't touched it yet. Yeah, no, me I'll, neither. I'll get, yeah. I'll get to it. I know we talked about that last week. I haven't gotten to it yet. I'm people I've had a couple of people, a couple of buddies like mention it to me, uh just their thoughts on it and stuff. They all seem to like Pep Hamilton
0: now. I think that's kind of <laughs> universal Yeah, quite takeaway. the uh <laughs> yeah. but um universal takeaway the, from this Ben. The know. the reason I ask is that uh I've heard a lot of Peters hate this week, especially because I guess he doesn't come off very well in that show. Like he he comes off like like I think it shows. You know Harbaugh always talks about he's like quiet in the huddle. It kind of shows a very quiet Peters, who's who's kind of I don't know what the word is since I haven't seen it, but it, I, it's the same thing that he's that's
1: it's the same thing that he's been though. I think that's people don't understand when they were calling for him to take the job earlier <laughs> in the season. I think it it was as much about the staff basically wanting to make sure that he was ready from just a command in the huddle yeah. standpoint. Oh no, this I mean, is the, what held
0: him back. Absolutely. Arm, yeah. You know,
1: arm talent has always been there for him. I think they just want more. And when I, I don't, they wanted more of that command. And when I say command, I don't mean that he has to be like, you know, shaking face masks
0: yeah, and like i, I know, think that's overrated yelling. to be honest if you can nighttime. execute you can execute but well you need your team least, on you with you right
1: right exactly you know so it, you know however you know and that's kind of the thing you know you look at you look at harbaugh you look at hamilton i mean these guys have been coaching quarterbacks as long as we've been alive almost and so they know what they got what they need you know it's not as if these guys were holding him back or you know they want to win as much as anybody. It's just a process with a young quarterback. You know, they didn't – he I, – I never saw him when they recruited him as a immediate, you know, a year one starter, right? And, uh, and that was even just from the physical standpoint. You know, the intangibles and all that kind of stuff, I think, was something they knew immediately uh, would kind of need to be developed. I know Steve Wiltfong, our national guy, has covered Brandon Peters' closer and longer than probably anybody and said that it was going to be a process with him, you know, to, to kind of learn how to be, uh, again, a better leader, which is not necessarily vocal per se, but just to have that, you know, to develop that command and to develop that respect from your teammates in the huddle. Um, you know, so, so yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I haven't caught the documentary yet. I, but I, knowing Brandon, uh, just through covering him and, and, Having spoken with him plenty of times in his recruitment, I just I can already imagine how it's probably how it'll how it's going to be perceived or how yeah. people are perceiving yeah.
0: it. Yeah. Well, it's like one of those things. Like, isn't there like something where, like, subconsciously, like, thirty or like like there's this whole thing about like they've done studies that like a president's or a presidential candidate's smile is like actually the biggest factor in whether they get elected. It's just people want yeah. this like this this uh prototypical or stereotypical quarterback type to be their guy, and and I think it's overplayed, but I do think it is relevant. So I'll be I'll be very curious to see. I mean, obviously there's the Patterson decision, which really dictates an incredible amount for something that is still looming over the entire team's heads. But you know, if if it is Peters versus McCaffrey, or you know, or Patterson is not in play, I'll be very cu- curious to see. If he, you know, grabs grabs a hold of that, you know, knowing that this is kind of his his opportunities are are becoming less frequent. Uh, as far as you know, his numbers, by the way, uh, 57 for 108 for 672 yards, so 52.8 completion, 6.2 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, two interceptions. That's okay, you know. I mean, the the line and the receivers, as as Ty points out. <laughs> You know that's almost a good a good stat line, uh, but yeah, I'll be curious because I do think fans have written him off more than they probably should. Right. I don't know that he is the answer though. You know, it's it's somewhere in between because I mean, you know, we yes, it's probably unfair to judge him on the Outback Bowl, but that was the game that everyone had four weeks for, and and they had time and they were able to. Th- stretch things out and frankly they had enough of a talent advantage over south carolina in most areas that you know they they really could have experimented with things i think so uh you know and there were some injuries on the offensive line that came back to bite them in that game but anyway similar lines and got another question about schemes and play calling this one comes from let me pull it up uh, oh, here we go. Shane Majewski says, love the podcast, guys. Thanks, Shane. Hypothetical question for you. What offense would you run at Michigan if you were the OC? And I think we've had this one before. Uh, Steve, I'll let you handle it first. Scheme is there are some problems with Michigan's offense. Style or scheme is probably not one of them.
1: No, I don't think so. Um you know what I always go back to. You know who did a great job of kind of exposing this part of it was Nick Baumgardner talking about if there was an issue with scheme, it was just that maybe the language and uh, it was too everything was a little bit too complicated uh, for some of these guys, and that maybe if anything, Michigan just needed to simplify things for their players a little bit more. Uh, haven't I believe they've mentioned that on the offensive line already this spring? I believe talking about the pass protection calls are easier or uh, aren't as complicated, yeah as they were, yeah, I think right? it came
0: up, and well,
1: I, yeah, the fact that they changed that says something. I mean, if they didn't think that was the issue, they wouldn't change it, you know, and so I think the fact that they did make those changes uh is indicative that it must have been some kind of interference or issue, especially when almost all everyone's returning from last year except for Cole. so it's not like it's a new group and they're trying a fresh approach. I mean it's mostly the same guys, so um, so yeah, because as far as like the actual scheme itself I I think the way I think the vision or the way that Michigan runs their offense is is the type of offense that can win a national championship the biggest reason I believe that is because I think the tight end is can be is such a dangerous weapon in college football nowadays uh and and it's and the, I believe the H back too the fullback uh you know, I think what Michigan wants to do, they want to create physical mismatches in the in the passing game, but they also want to wear teams down throughout the course of the game into the fourth quarter. You know, with an extra blocker coming through the line, hitting a linebacker every play, or you know, that type of thing. And, and and I think you're just now, I think they're finally starting to get all those pieces together i mean we saw what they were capable of in in 16 too obviously with where they were going i mean but wins the Mackey. uh chess has a huge uh darbo Chesson both have great seasons you know like we see what they ch- want to try to do in the passing game they, they still couldn't quite put it together on the running you know running the ball as well but um that's you know i think they're getting the types of athletes in the types of positions they need to to start to take some steps forward. Um, but it always starts at quarterback. Yeah. So, right. And so no matter what scheme they're running, uh, they aren't going to win unless they have good quarterback play. And like I've said a few times, I think last year was the worst year we're going to see the quarterback position played at Michigan under Jim Harbaugh. So, um, uh, no, I don't think there's any, I, 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 believe in the way that they do things offensively. Um, uh, I mean, he's got, a laundry list of professional players he's produced. I mean, they, they have an idea of what works and what puts players in position to succeed. So, um, you know, and like I said, you know, Jake, Butt, great tight end, but not, not the Uber athlete, you know, uh, not a great blocker. Really? If we're being honest, I mean, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, I think he was, I think he would even say probably he was still probably inconsistent, Uh, his senior year, as far as blocking goes, you know, they just haven't really gotten that, that guy there. I think Devin Asiasi, unfortunately, maybe could have been that perfect Hmm. all around tight end uh, in their system. You know, I think that was kind of an understated loss, but you know, you look at what Gentry will be able to do in the passing game. I do think Sean McCune can be that guy though. Uh, It took some steps forward uh, in both aspects of the tight end position. So I just think that they, they have the right idea. Uh, It just, again, it's just, getting more experienced on at the skill positions and particularly receiving and better quarterback play. And obviously the offensive line. I mean, it's just a,
0: you, you get what I'm saying. I'm kind of, yeah. rambling a little yeah, bit. yeah, no, here, there's it. a lot of, a lot of steps and blowing up the playbook and starting over might not be one of them. No, as far I don't as, think that... yeah, as far as this question, I think one thing I would like to see them do more and, and I don't know if this is the right analogy, but in addition to simplifying, I would love the, to see them utilize the the people who can make more out of less. Because you know, a guy like Chris Evans, I mean, I'll never forget. You know, there was there, were, you know, he got he got a pitch play, uh, might have been against Indiana, and it was going to be like a four yard loss, and he runs all the way across the field, all the way back for a four yard gain. But then, you know, so, so sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes the play is just completely blown up. But then, you know, against Ohio State, they started getting him the ball a little bit more in in these passing plays and it it worked. And this is and you know, I I, I think Michigan the the tricky thing about Michigan these first 3 seasons under Harbaugh is that they have done very well against teams that they should beat. That they have athletic and talented advantages over. I mean, I think Iowa is the only one that comes to mind maybe you could count Michigan state last season as teams that did not have similar talent to them that that Michigan lost to like they've they've done very well I mean they you know even even the first year they steamrolled, Maryland steamrolled Northwestern steamrolled you know BYU it was just a it was just a clinic and I think their offense can really click against those teams, but they need something different against Wisconsin. Ohio State and Penn State, because it just seems like, you know, like, I mean, some of it's play calling, right? Like that play action on, was it third down against Penn State, third and long? It's like those guys were already there. That might not happen against Rutgers, but that will happen against Penn State or or South Carolina, better defensive line than most of the Big Ten, you know, and they had that. I was telling you before the show, they had that pitch play to Donovan Peoples-Jones, And they missed five blocks, and he was tackled for a loss. And so it might have been McDoom. uh, Now that I'm thinking about it, but regardless, you know they had five blocks to hit, and they missed on all of them. So execution is key. But I also think, you know, putting guys like Chris Evans—I mean, you and I have talked about how we want him in in the passing game more.
1: Oh man, we've been—we said that all year, and then they finally—they finally started to do it at the end of the year. I mean, it wasn't Ohio State; he had. Forty or fifty yards receiving. Exactly, exactly, yeah. and, and
0: and I almost think they should have gone to him more in that game. Agreed. Agreed. And so, so it's so to me, I you know, and that, to me that's not it's not like Chris Evans is a is a you know this it's not like they're not going to know what to do if Chris Evans goes downfield. But he's an elusive player that can make a lot of plays, and I think Higdon started to enter that territory too. You know, he's great between the tackles. He's a great all-around running back, but he also you know can create mm-hmm. some plays if you give him the ball and a chance to make plays. So that'd be like the one thing is I think in the NFL, you, you know, you don't do stuff like options. You don't do, you know, stuff like, you know, just go out there and make a play because pretty much everyone you're facing can run you down. You know, every defensive end runs, you know, something, you know, below a five Oh 40, you know, know, they're going to catch you on those angles. Not so much in college. So, I think that'd be the one tweak I would have is a little bit more. I don't know if I'm saying it right. You know, just like go out and play. It's kind of like what Beeline does with his offense is, you know, they, they do a lot of screens. They do a lot of stuff setting up, but it's not like it's all these concrete drives. It's a lot of reading the defense and figuring out what your best move is passing, shooting, driving, you know, setting, you know, calling for a pick and doing something else. So, so it's, I would like to see more of that if that makes any sense in the offense. You know, okay, you, Chris Evans, you're faster. You can break tackles. You know, no one's going to catch you if you're in space. Let's get you in space. Like, I I don't know if that – maybe maybe I'll get some grief in the comments for that. But that's, that's like what's to, – to me, in addition to the convoluted, uh, time-elapsing play sets that they had, I just don't think they got people the ball in positions to succeed. Anyway, on to more football. We're gonna go each position. Uh, we might have the same one, we might have a, a separate one, but people that are standing out to us in either spring availabilities or what we're hearing behind the scenes, and we will start at quarterback. I, you can say whatever you want. I'm hearing kind of kind of a notable gap between Patterson and Peters, even though we just talked about how Peters, there's a lot to him, but Patterson's a little bit more, can you know, game ready, starter ready. You know, there's less things to teach with him. It's more about refining. What have you heard or who's standing out at quarterback to you?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we'd expect Patterson to take the reins if he's, if he is made eligible, it'd be interesting to see if he's not just because again, yeah, don't. it's like, we're almost, Sleeping on Brandon Peters by continually talking about not to sleep on him because what I was gonna say is like you know don't forget about Dylan McCaffrey
0: either. Um, kind of has all those intangibles. Have that... you heard about his weight? Because to me, that would be the, the big one. I think he's he's made progress. I don't okay. know if he's I I think he's I think he's there enough
1: to be given an opportunity if he was to earn it. Um, and then yesterday, I had a good good report on Joe Milton. Who, uh, you know, not it's not going to happen for him this year, but man, uh, the excitement hasn't hasn't wavered. I guess uh, from the day he committed that last June uh, to now actually having him on campus, and you know, getting a taste of what I stand by this. I, I you know, Michigan looked at taking two and eighteen. I honestly believe the the minute, not the minute, but. Very quickly after getting Milton on campus in January and seeing what they had, I think they believed they maybe a, a scholarship would be better spent elsewhere. In really? And okay. So we'll see if they take two this cycle. Uh, I I think there's a, a definitely a shot if it's the right guy. Uh, you know, we'll have to see. They've explored it more. Uh, they've done. They haven't explored it as much. After McNamara's commitment, I think there are still a couple of guys that are recruiting. We'll just see about that. I mean, McNamara's a very good prospect in his own right. So, um, But no, Milton, you know, just – was it the ceiling is the roof? Isn't that what Jordan, <laughs> isn't that what Jordan said? Yeah, yeah at like, North I'm Carolina, like, yeah. Yeah, that remains. And uh, was that idiot who said he'd still end up at wide receiver on our board yesterday. It's like that's just the dumbest line of thinking. I mean, they've been nothing but impressed. Uh, both on and off the field with the way he conducts himself. I mean, that's really what endeared them to him. They knew about him physically. They got him on campus last year for his, I don't know if it was, I think it was the unofficial for the spring game when Dorian Thompson Robinson was there, who's the other top target. And just, uh, they just loved Milton from the second. They hmm. actually got to okay. sit and talk with him, get to know him a little bit more outside of the physical stuff, which you, you know, you don't need to turn on much film to see what he's right. capable of there. So, um, so, yeah, so, again, I think the quarterback position in general is just at a, in a really great spot right now as far as now and, and the future, you know, because okay. it's just yeah. the, the talent's there. They just got to do it now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that is a step, but certainly feel and it's more – It's I mean, it's all guys Harbaugh wants, not, not to, you know, dig at the other past quarterbacks, but they were Hoke recruits or, no, or yeah, whatever. Uh, running bad. back, by the way, moving on, very – feel good about it i mean they've got two guys who if they ran for 1200 yards i don't think any of us would blink or be that surprised uh what are you hearing either about those two guys Karan higdon and chris evans or is is there a legitimate race for a third back yet or is that something that will come more in in the fall
1: i think the third back battle would probably go until the fall i would assume i don't think there's Mm -hmm. anybody that's in a position to separate themselves uh You know, I'm, Maury Samuels is the kind of the obvious name, uh, is the one that intrigues me the most, just because he has the physical abilities to kind of do some things differently than even Higdon, as far as, you know, if if he gets in the open
0: field, he can house it. Uh, Not that those guys didn't house a few. So is he faster than the other two? Because I I always, when I see pictures of him, he's got these gigantic arms. I just figured he was more of a bruising back. I believe he's probably at least as fast. I mean, he's
1: got, Wow. Okay. That was, I mean, he, that's how he burst onto the scene. I mean, Michigan offered him after his performance at one of the opening events last year, where he just came in out of nowhere. I don't think hardly anybody knew about him at that point. He just came in and just dominated both just the workout part of portion, like a one-on-one types stuff, but also just the testing part uh, is what really endeared Michigan to him. So, you know, I'm, I'm, Again, the biggest thing for him though, you know he came from New Mexico. It's not easy to adapt immediately if you know I think there's a huge gap in uh you know, it's not like he's coming from not like he played at IMG or yeah. something like that. In yeah. High school where he where he's playing against, you know, elite high school programs every Friday or Saturday. So, uh, I think a little bit of a acclimation for him there, but I think he's getting there. And the other guy I know uh has been talked about that I know the staff actually really likes is True Wilson, the preferred walk-on out of daylight. wow
0: okay we we heard a little bit about him last year in fall camp so yeah
1: so well here's the thing i mean he was an fbs guy he had a scholarship opportunity at air force and turned it down to take a pwo i mean he's not a he's a very high profile preferred walk-on in my opinion i mean to air force isn't like it's not even like going to an ivy i mean guys at air force can do some stuff you know so uh so in that regard, like he's, you know, as a guy that could fight for a third back, I mean, I, I, I think he's definitely in the mix. I mean, obviously, everyone probably wonders about where Kareem Walker is <laughs> yeah. at. <It's> just, <laughs> I, I just, it's hard to say with what, with the way they've talked about him and just, uh, you know, where everything's at there. You know, I th- that's where a spring them. game
0: would be nice to have, Ex- right? Yeah.
1: It would probably provide some answers there, but I, I just haven't really heard it, you know, or haven't seen it. Um, you know, so I, I don't know. We're just gonna doesn't have to mean see. doesn't
0: mean he's done. By the way, before no, people say this, but just yeah. By the way, I think True Wilson. I could be wrong, but I believe he comes from a military background, so that yep. might have been a part of the Air Force opportunity. But still, I mean, he is he's a guy he's, you know tough runner. He's a very Harbaugh guy. I think Harbaugh's actually mentioned him in press conferences before, as you know. Sometimes he'll throw those names out there. And and it's it's with an intent. It's, you know, to praise them and without necessarily. Taking anything away from other people, but just get that name out there. So interesting. OK, uh, I'm I'm curious because he's going to be a sophomore second year, third year. Zach, along with that, though, don't forget, you got three
1: guys enrolling in June too. Um Guys who will play
0: of, who could well, play soon or.
1: Yeah, guys, I think that'll immediately walk in and compete for that third
0: spot. Yeah, I mean,
1: they love. I, I, I would, I would definitely argue, and I know this sounds like a broken record because we all kind of, I kind of had to vouch a lot for this eighteen class because it, it wasn't <laughs> up to people's expectations right. apparently. But um, I believe all three of those guys are underranked and underrated on a, for, if we're strictly basing them off of their rating and Turner, ranking, Haskins, you know. and Barrett. Yeah, absolutely. I think Barrett, Barrett is the Hudson, uh, Hudson of this class is a guy that I think we're going to look back and say, how the heck was this guy? Not like a national, you know, he had some solid offers for sure, but you know, he didn't have the Bama, Georgia, Florida state, uh, LSU, you know, he didn't as a kid out of one of the bigger programs in Georgia didn't have those offers, uh, one of those guys that like you know i don't i've never claimed to be a x's and o's guru or you know a a super guy at breaking down a kid's film but the kind of guy that's the same idea when you watched hudson in high school it was like you know i just i still laugh thinking that penn state hudson tried committing to penn state twice and they just would not accept his commitment just sounds like one of the stupidest moves like (laughs) um you know that michigan capitalized on that you know, and, and Barrett's a guy I, I kinda look at in a similar vein as a guy I think is is gonna make a lot of plays in his Michigan career.
0: So Okay. Uh, we can talk about enrollees yep. later because we wanna we wanna just do one one guy or, or if there's multiple guys, you can throw throw them all in there, but at each position, standing out in spring so far. Uh offensive line, Caesar Ruiz has gotten all kinds of praise. And I, I actually really like the situation because Warner you look at his pedigree. He's developed some top-flight centers at, at Ohio State. I don't. I'd have to look up on the internet about Notre Dame, Michigan State, Minnesota. But but you know, there's a couple couple center of the year. Oh, I can't remember. Is that the Remington? Um, whatever whatever that award is. He's he's developed a couple. And then Patrick Kugler, his grad assistant, basically you know his mentor from last season. They're keeping him there, and now. They basically have a grad assistant working on turning Caesar Ruiz into, you know, an All Big Ten center. So I like I like the situation, and we've heard pretty good things. Uh, is that is that who you're hearing the most about on the line? Yeah, uh, but it's not a it's not a surprise. That's no one guy no.
1: that's one guy I can I can honestly look at and go back and say that I I called that <laughs> before he even verbally committed to Michigan. He was a huge Michigan lean throughout probably would have publicly committed a lot earlier. I think he, I don't, you know, going to IMG, it doesn't really matter. Colleges are coming through there all the time. So it's not like he's helping his teammates out or anything, but um, as a guy that I pegged as a four year starter immediately and technically, because didn't he start? Yes. The last yeah. Year? Yeah. Um, if he stays four years it, is a guy that I think will, will do that now. I, I don't think there's any doubt. So, you know, hearing a lot about him to me is, is one of the least surprising things uh, this spring. I mean, it's just the guy was a perfect uh, center prospect. Yeah. Not a high school, just not perfect. You know, I don't want to say perfect is going too far, but um, everything you're looking for. Have, yeah. You couldn't have asked for a better spot. I mean, I think the, even him moving to IMG his senior year to get that experience uh, was a help, you know, from when he left Camden, Uh, but either way though uh, just a guy Michigan you know they talk a lot about we talk a lot about Michigan not hitting on their offensive line recruits but he's a perfect example of one of many that they actually have hit on Uh, Mm -hmm. but no definitely Ruiz though Uh, also a little bit a little bit on Stuber your guy yeah man don't sleep on Andrew Stuber still I, I think that uh left tackle's going or both tackle positions are gonna be really interesting. It sounds like Bushel Beatty's still got a chance there. I know uh I always look at the fact they sent out Runyon to do media is usually a good sign that he's probably having a good spring. They don't yep. availability theory
0: it. is for real. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. So that's uh that's something and I don't think that's a bad thing either. I uh, he was actually pretty close to winning that job last year. Um but yeah so the biggest thing is Ruiz and then also just that Warner's the right guy to be coaching this unit. So I, yeah, I like it yeah. to the dude. Uh, Big Lebowski is kind of the right man at the, at the right time. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's the Henry
0: other Poges thing. Henry Pogey's listening and smiling. Pogey, great guy, <laughs> man. How about let's, to to pick things up, we'll do tight ends and receivers together, even though we'll have two separate ones. Um, obviously another position where there's some coaching changes. Uh, you know Sharon Moore a guy who was turning defensive ends into 500 yard receiving tight ends you know a guy who he mentioned in 2015 he only had two tight ends in his room in spring ball and now he's got really four guys who if they came out and were all Big Ten tight ends I don't think we would be might be a little surprised at a couple of them but between Zach Gentry who's up 17 pounds Sean McCune we know what he can do you know Nick Eubanks I think quietly forgotten about given his athletic ability and obviously uh tj wheatley tyron wheatley jr has oodles of potential he's hurt right now but you've been hearing i you know i was impressed by what Moore had to say about gentry sounds like if i'm reading between the lines of what he said it sounded like gentry might be the main guy but you're hearing a lot about nick eubanks
1: yeah but that's more speaking to the depth i think that gentry mccune would be the top two guys still uh but I think that Eubanks is establishing himself as a guy that they're going to use in some different situations. Uh, again, you look at what he did against Florida. Um, and it was, oddly it, it didn't, it, that was kind of his, the peak of his season was that game. I think he had another reception in that game too. Um, uh, you know, and then didn't saw, saw a limited amount of snaps the next three games and then got hurt, you mm-hmm. know? And so, um, uh, I, I don't look at him as a guy who's ever going to be a dual threat tight end as far as being an elite blocker right. and an elite receiver, but I do think he can absolutely be an elite receiver at, in some capacity. Well, and uh, we've heard
0: that they're kind of working, trying to work the tight ends a little bit more into slots, similar to what I think the Patriots, don't they do that? Yep, yep. Yeah. That's
1: what they throw Gronk out there a lot, and that's but that's what Michigan should be doing. You have these guys, that's the best way to use it, kind of what we are talking about with Evans uh, in the passing game. Uh, that's the type of thing they should be doing. They did it with Gentry last year. Yeah. Uh, really, the play against Ohio, the arm punt against <laughs> Ohio State. Gentry was standing up, if I remember right, and then was open by about 15 yards. You yeah. Know? So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, but Eubanks. And then at receiver, I mean, receiver, it's it's almost take your pick.
0: Uh, but also and, anybody's guess. That's to I mean I'm you know if someone asked me who the starting receivers are I'd just be a complete guess.
1: Uh, well, I think, I definitely think Donovan is going to be one of the starters for sure. I should not um, have said
0: complete guess. Cause I would assume yeah. Donovan Tariq, but probably kind of He's one thinking, of those positions. Yeah.
1: No, those would be my two guesses too. Um, again, I just, I don't think people realize that people's Jones actually got a lot better as the year went on last year. And, uh, It just, he was a bigger, he was a bigger, uh, let's say victim of poor quarterback play than maybe anybody on the roster. So Mm -hmm. I was outside of like Peter's literally getting hurt. Um, you know, but, but was a bigger, you know, it was a bigger loss for him. Like, you know, can't count how many times he was open and it just wasn't hit, you know, and that's, it's one of those things where I think the narrative was, well, these, you know, they're young and they're just not very, they're not running crisp routes, and that was, I would say, that was probably the case early in the year. But I think by the end of the year, I think you could argue that he had come a really long way already. In that, and, and the talking point we always bring up is, you know, when he was at Cast Tech, he didn't have to run Chris routes to. It's, you know, he's just so much better and more athletic than everybody else on the field that he, you know, refining his
0: game would be, you know, I don't know, you know. What yeah, I mean? like, no, we've we've deals. had this talk, and and I right. think one thing that I really like. Uh, that Michigan did is another another grad assistant. It's not like these guys are heroes or anything, but you know, having Roy Roundtree, I was talking to Donovan a little bit after practice Tuesday, and he was kind of mentioning he didn't quite say it this way, but it sounds like Roundtree is able to kind of teach him the difference between being a great high school receiver and a great college receiver, and like little tricks of the trade that maybe a coach can can tell you. But maybe can't show you in the same sense, like oh yeah, plant your feet like this, you know, twist your hips like this. Um, and so I like that, and I also like McElwain. You know, Peoples Jones mentioned he's a guy who's coached quarterbacks and receivers, and and you know, having having two guys, I think, keying in on that receiver position is a really smart move by Michigan because it's five five of the top fifteen uh, wide receiver commits Michigan's had since two thousand are on the team right now. And they're all going to be on the team next year, too, assuming no one transfers or anything. And so, you know, great opportunity, uh, but kind of still still trying to put everything together in a in a way that it'll translate onto the field.
1: He takes a huge step forward this year, in my opinion. Yeah, I think he has. a I think he has a big year. Yeah, I really do. He's just he's got the physical attributes were already there. It's just a matter of, again, continuing to refine those. I'm I think his bigger challenge will be refining his game on uh, special teams-wise, I think, is going to be the bigger challenge for him. I think he struggled there more than he struggled
0: uh, as far as development-wise than he did at receivers. Look at you calling your shot. Five-star wide receiver looks good as a sophomore. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) Um, Bold call. Yeah. Bold call. Uh, On the defensive side, you know, I think anyone who follows our stuff (laughs) – Duam Four, it's like the entire world is is praising him. Uh, from what you have heard, because obviously everyone's talking about it, I mean, how much stock can you put into this? Is this people pumping up maybe the one week link in the front seven or the the alleged weak link in the front seven? Or is there is there really a, a situation where this light has come on and and things are just Because like, 'cause they're pumping him up like he can be Mo Hearst next year. I don't think that's the case, but like what exactly if you're reading between the lines a little bit, are you seeing from, from this from this pump up of Dwumfor? I mean, you know, the thing about Dwumfor is is he's a guy that we've
1: basically heard good things of since he got to campus. It's just a matter of staying healthy. Uh, I think he had a shoulder, I want to say, in the past. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's. I think it's always the answer somewhere in the middle. I think the. I. I definitely think he could, with who else they have up front, he's going to have opportunities to make plays. So I think, the opportunity is right there for him to have a good year, maybe a surprisingly good year. Uh, he's not Mo. He won't be Mo. Uh, he would tell you that. I would assume. I mean Mo, really pound for maybe the best defensive tackle that's ever played at Michigan. Uh, it's it, with what you, with how he produced the last two years, uh, just maybe the best one they've ever had. Uh, so to ask a guy who hasn't started a game to come that, that he's going to replicate that is kind of ridiculous. So, um, but I, you know, you got Solomon who really took, I thought again, another guy, once the snap started coming, he really started to play at a higher level. Uh, you know, so I, I think because of that, all those attention. I think Four will have the opportunity, and I think he'll capitalize on it. I just,
0: you know, you're never gonna get
1: uh, Hurst
0: right. out of that. Right. So. Well, and it it will be. I'll be very curious because like Aubrey Solomon, you know, Pro Football Focus had him as Michigan's ninth best player last season. Yeah. And his, no, his grades were always. Run defense was absurd. Snaps. Yeah. Once he got consistent snaps, which was later
1: in the season, you can go back. I know you've looked you've seen the reports, but his snap count went up I think the last four or five games in a row. he mm-hmm. got more snaps in the game and that's and he graded out really well. I mean, they really like they love Michigan's defensive tackles. I feel like almost all of them always graded out really well. so
0: yeah so um, I'll be curious I mean they'll both be productive and and we'll see what you know Lawrence Marshall Brian Monet some of those other guys bring to the table too. but uh, I'm curious to see what that production looks like because I think some fans might be like, oh, solomon's not getting enough sacks but he might be wildly productive in a a different way linebacker you're telling me before the show because i i don't i maybe i i was caught up in the week that they talked about linebackers uh maybe i was caught up covering basketball but i haven't heard much from the linebackers but you're hearing kalik hudson we saw at the end of last season some great numbers obviously he is you know, super fast, super jacked. I mean, he looks like every quarterback's worst nightmare and every, a lot of blockers' worst nightmares. You're hearing that that's also coming into play in how he's practicing.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a boring one to talk about because he was playing at such a high level, you know, at the end of last year, but just a guy that has been mentioned to me twice as as just beast, which again, feel Like we saw this coming, like when he was recruited, you can tell that this guy physically was just on a different level. It was just a matter of getting acclimated to the game, which he did last year. Uh, you know, he was awesome. So, uh, again, linebacker, another really, I mean, we're going to talk about finish out a defense, it's, it's pretty much the same story, yeah. It'll
0: go quicker, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: they're stockpiling just an insane amount of talent defensively. I think Magrone is a guy that probably for you looked up up and down the big 10. I mean, he's a guy that probably would contend to start for 10 or 11. Wow. I forgot teams. about him. Yeah, no. You're I mean, right. That's the thing. So they signed, they, they brought in their big haul in 17 with Ross Singleton and Anthony, who all three of those guys have been mentioned as well as guys who have a shot, uh, with Ross, I think in particular battling to, to replace Mike McCray, um, you know, so you got those three guys, and then they turn around and sign the number one outside linebacker in the country, according to twenty four seven you know in McGrone. uh man, you talk about a luxury, they only really needed to take one <laughs> in eighteen, and they got the best one in my opinion. I agree with the ranking too. he's just especially as it pertains to Don Brown's defense, which is predicated on speed more than any other asset that a linebacker has, and McGrone is super fast, so <laughs> um so yeah, loaded. Uh, Hudson, the one I hear the most about, but again, I mean, you know, even Devin Gill's gotten some pub yeah. already this spring, you know, and, 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 and that's you, the, those are the kind of guys you get like a, you know, I talked about yesterday, you're hearing good things about Donovan Jeter. Like you get, you get one of those types of guys, a guy that like we know about, we we've heard some good things before, but we haven't seen it, you know, maybe not a highly touted guy you get one or two of those guys to, to blow up or to like really take a next step forward. And then you're talking like, you know, contending for a conference championship type stuff when you get guys like that. Cause you already know, we already know the big pieces. We already know we're, you know, they're probably gonna have the best one, two corner tandem in the country. It, definitely in the conference um, defensive line wise, we know what they have up there. We know where they are at linebacker with Hudson and, and Bush jr. You know, but you get some of
0: these other guys and, and the sky is really even the limit. So, for the defensive backs, I, I, by the way, you're right. I mean, that's, and that's something it's easier to talk about than, than actually see happen, but, you know, if they get a couple overachievers, like, they have the, they have top 10 talent, and it's, I like, certainly, you know, and they have the experience this season to actually match that. Then you get a couple guys to overachieve. I mean, Dwem Ford was ranked 970th, you know, so, so, but but, you know, guys who, who were on the bench last season? If they step in and do and, and overachieve or exceed expectations, then Michigan's going to overachieve and exceed expectations for the defensive backs to finish up. Uh, you can list anyone else you've heard, but same thing with 1-4. We've heard a bajillion things about Ambry Thomas. Uh, how much? What if you're reading between the uh, reading the tea leaves? Is that the is that the expression? You know, yep. if if you're reading between the lines. What do you what do you take away from all this pump up and then other defensive backs that are that you have heard are standing out in camp?
1: With Ambry, I mean it's the same thing as it was with Jordan Lewis. Same thing it was with Levert. Just those guys. It was just a matter of time with those guys. I think Levert maybe was the always the question mark to me of those three guys because Levert is sort of the quiet, subdued. Uh, much like, much like Delano was when he was in high school and then in college. But, uh, you know, I think vert was sort of needed to, uh, I don't know. They needed to the light kind of light a fire underneath him. Uh, that was never an issue with Jordan. And uh, I don't think it's definitely not an issue with Ambry either. I think Ambry's is very similar to Jordan uh, personality wise and skill wise. So again, to hear Ambry, uh, as a guy, not even remotely a surprise. His ceiling is super high. He, his emergence would give them three elite corners, in my opinion. You see what David Long and Lavert did last year. I don't. There's no reason to think that Ambry can't take that same kind of leap this year. I mean, he's he's had he's always had the ability. Um, and again, just like those other guys, like you know, Lewis was not an impact player year one. Got some PT, but didn't play a ton. But then just exploded year two, really took some huge steps forward, and like I said, we saw it with both those guys, uh, both the starters last year, uh, you know. And so I, he's again almost in the same way as like Hudson, where it's not surprising to me at all to hear that Ambry Thomas is, is having a huge spring. I just it was expectation for me uh, on him because I know that he's capable of doing this, and so uh, that gives them another weapon. Uh, really, a guy. You know, I think fans want to go back to the, the third down and longs where the safeties were burned in one-on-one coverage. It gives them another guy they could potentially throw out there in those situations. So, um, yeah. safety-wise, kind of the mystery position to me. I know Jalen Kelly Powell's gotten a little bit of hype. I don't think – I still feel – I know they've said he's a safety all the way. I still feel like he's another nickel-like type. I don't necessarily – I don't know. I could be wrong there because he's – The one thing I always go back to with him, with Don Brown is talking about that. They were not afraid to throw a lot on his plate because he's a really intelligent football player, which is a hundred percent the case. I want to say he was cast tech team captain when he was a junior, Um, you know, is a, is a guy that really for, for his shortcomings as far as size, which has always kind of been the knock on him. uh, He's super hard worker, but he's also uber talented though. That's not like a, you know, that like, backhanded compliment about you know that he's like a effort guy or a motor guy because I don't believe that I believe he's really talented Uh, he's just got the intangibles too though he's got kind of the whole package he's just a little undersized Uh, so and then Jameric Woods I'm interested to see I think he if if I was Nostradamus here I would I kind of feel like he would be the guy that the staff hopes takes that next step at safety because I think he has the the higher ceiling than say a Metallus. Um, You know, I think Hawkins may get there eventually. I don't know if it'll be this year uh, just because kind of moved him around a little bit. But um, I think if if I had to guess, I believe Woods is a guy that they hope uh, just because he's longer. We saw him play. He's very aggressive in in playing run defense, um, but he's also got the length and athleticism to make plays in the passing game too. Uh, so kind of one of the guys they haven't had in a long time like a really long lanky you know like big time playmaker yeah. uh, back at the safety spot i think jared wilson was kind of a uh, steady sort of jamar adams type like you, a guy you could totally rely on would make some plays but wasn't like a superstar or any by any means mm-hmm. still playing still playing in the nfl by the way but um but yeah so woods is probably the guy they're hoping to take a leap forward. Uh, Kelly Powell seems to be the one we hear a lot about, though.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'm curious about Woods because you know someone who can a little more acclimated. You know, I think he was kind of thrown into into the tornado a little bit last season. It's in 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 spring ball too. You know, just you know, kind of a kind of a quiet kid coming to Michigan. Kind of a bit of a culture change. But hey, we've got um uh, ten minutes left. First of all, did we miss any any players that we didn't mention? I mean, I don't know, I mean, you could, hey, that's, worth, could that's worth that's worth mentioning, about, right? yeah,
1: yeah, that's true, um I mean one other storyline I think I'm interested in going back to receiver is is Oliver Martin too, to see what he does, yeah, with, with Grant Perry's not hundred percent right now, I think the opportunity is there for martin to um I don't want to say seize that spot, but potentially uh well, I mean, you know, yeah, <laughs> kind of lost last season, but red was able to fortunately they're able to redshirt him and uh as a guy that you know just as talented, pure talent wise, man, I mean, I got to know him pretty well at the Army game as a senior and he was one of the three or four best receivers in that game, you know, and so not a guy to sleep on by any means. Uh so I'm interested to see what he does. Interested to see maybe Quiddy Pay a guy uh on the outside that is a guy we've heard a lot about before, heard some about him this spring, but another guy I think, you know, could provide some depth, get back, get to the quarterback, maybe let him do some different things. Was that on our board? Was that Spath about Winovich maybe using, them, using him a little bit differently this year, trying some different things with him? Um, I might you know, have give,
0: said that. Oh,
1: but, but to give Quiddy pay, and you know, get maybe Quiddy on the field a little bit too. So. Oh, okay. Um,
0: that That yeah. was not me. But if, so, if I'm if I'm Michigan, I am using Winovich differently. So that's a nice precedent to, you know, if they want to keep players for another year, you know, getting them NFL ready, getting them in the jack position, might be good. Right. But uh, so, hey, real quick on yeah. recruiting because we are running low on oh, time. Right. Uh, Zach Harrison, number three overall recruit, coming out of Ohio. We think he's got twelve crystal ball position uh, predictions for Ohio State. But well, you had an update, raved about Michigan. Is that, is that right, and then what can you tell me about him?
1: No, the question right now is whether or not he's going to make it up this weekend. Oh, uh, sorry. This, no, no, no. I mean, he was just on campus a few weeks ago, though, so to get him back twice within a month I think would be significant. I think the big thing here is, you know, he's he's from it's Lewis Center, Ohio, which is less than a half hour from the horseshoe. <laughs> um, but not – Again, very, again, I've had to I've had to preface this every time I say this. I obviously could very well end up at Ohio State. I mean, if 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 you were betting, that's who I would put my money on. I'm not changing that. He is just not the 1,000% Buckeye lock that you would think a kid who lived just outside of Columbus would be. Um, and Michigan is really working their tails off uh, in that recruitment. I think Al Washington. Uh, yeah. Proving go. already to be a significant higher on the recruiting trail has done a great job with the family um and the kid, so you know there's a he would he'd be coming up hundred percent for sure if the spring game was still under going going on. I don't know if that that visit seems up in the air right now, but I do think um I do think there's still a shot he comes up but either way i, I what I'm saying is I think Michigan's trending up there when I say trending up, I don't think I'm not saying at all that they lead. I just think that they're being legitimately considered uh, along with Penn State. I think it's Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State are kind of the three schools here for Harrison. um, Big, big, big for them to even be in it. They wouldn't normally be in a race like this. Let's just be honest. So uh, for them to be in it, I think is it, and if more than anything, it's indicative that they've made a great hire in Al Washington because he's, I think he's been the primary driver in getting them in this race. And it's also, um, you know, just the fact that they're legit contender for – he's the number three on the composite, but he's the number one player according to 24-7. We haven't as the number one player in the country, so um, big-time talent. Okay.
0: And then we got a question to close this out from Aaron Stoltenberg, who says, who is Michigan in best shape for in 2020 football recruits? Looking ahead a little bit. And he asked, will that be a larger class again? Uh, I think you always answer, I don't know. You know, you don't actually know. You can do some math. The 2016 class was pretty big, so that would it would one could assume that would be a big class. But we're not going to worry about that. But some some names to keep an eye on for 2020.
1: Uh, obviously Miles Hinton, the younger brother of uh, 18 verbal Chris Hinton. I think Miles, on if we're being honest, probably maybe a better prospect than Chris. And Chris is a five star, uh, 24/7.
0: Is Chris is 19. Recruit? 19, 19, sorry, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, no, Chris is a 19, sorry, 19 verbal, and then, uh, yeah, Miles a 20. uh, Yeah, I think Miles could end the class as the number one tackle in the country. We'll have to see. He's number two right now, I think, so he's right there. Um, They're also, I would say, in the top three for the number one tackle in the country in Paris Johnson Jr. out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Again, Al Washington uh, has gotten Michigan into that race. They they got Johnson on campus twice in three weeks, Um, you know, just things that they weren't doing before in Ohio. So uh, right there, Uh Kal-El Mullings out of uh, Massachusetts is I think a top 30 overall player. My crystal ball is on Michigan there. I think Michigan's probably got a big lead if I'm being honest, uh, kind of one of those guys. I know he's a 2020, uh, but a guy that I, at this point would kind of be actually be kind of surprised if he didn't eventually verbal to Michigan, uh, maybe a candidate to be their first verbal, unless like maybe an in-state guy drops or something. Uh, Harrison Bailey, who's been their top quarterback target in that cycle for pretty much since they started recruiting the 2020 class. Uh, I know Wilt Fong put in a crystal ball for Michigan last week, got everybody pretty excited. Uh, The thing about quarterbacks, they always tend to end their recruitments a little bit earlier than most other positions for whatever reason. Um, So the fact that Wilt Fong has his crystal ball on Michigan right now, I think is a great early sign there. Um, You know, so there's that one kind of Skimming down here a little bit, Rayshon Williams out of Detroit, uh, out of Detroit King, top receiver in the state. He's under in my opinion right now. I think he'll his profile will rise as the process continues. Um, Kevin Pine, another five star offensive lineman. So not trying to get people's hopes up here, but they Michigan has the potential to have a massively talented offensive line uh, group in the 2020 class. Kevin Pine, uh, another Massachusetts prospect, tight with Don Brown. Uh, his his high school head
0: coach is very tight with Don Brown, uh, so they're going to be in that a one little too. pipeline booster that uh, hire turned out to be, huh?
1: Well, Don, <laughs> so, here's the other thing too, though, is in 19, both the 19 and 20 class uh, are very strong in Connecticut and Massachusetts. Uh, the 19 class in Connecticut is loaded. I mean, just loaded compared to what it usually is. So uh, you got to think Brown. You know, he's kind of revered on those areas. Uh and, and yeah. they've done they done well out there to begin with. You look at McEwen, you look at Hurst, you look at Tariq Black, you look at Ben Mason. I mean, they've they've already done really well in those areas, so they have a great reputation. Uh, so it's gonna help them in some of these races, I feel like, with the guys they want. So
0: yeah.
1: um couple more names real quick. Probably uh I think Chris Braswell is one of probably six or seven guys at St. Francis Academy in 2020 that already have a Michigan offer. Uh, Braswell, number one weak side defensive end in the country, I think is a guy that Michigan's going to have a shot with. Um, They're in it. They're definitely in it for uh, Brian. I can never remember how to pronounce his name. Breesy. Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, the number one. He's the number one player in the country. Uh, He's already been on campus. Uh, Have a good rapport with his head coach. Seems to uh, say that he's really high on Michigan early. I think Michigan's probably in the top five there. Uh, Sergio Allen top 100 out of uh, linebacker out of Georgia Chris Partridge has done a great job there Um, you know those are probably some names I would maybe write down Makari Page uh, another West Bloomfield kid obviously run by a former Michigan receiver Ron Bellamy so they're going to be in it for those guys Uh, Makari's a easy four-star recruit six three safety really great
0: size great ability Uh, i think michigan's probably in good shape there early on as well all right cool (laughs) obviously some some time there and i and we'll keep talking football and recruiting throughout the summer i know we did a little bit of basketball and hockey but that should that should uh only ratchet up in the next what five months so (laughs) plenty plenty more to discuss uh next week and, and in the weeks that follow be sure to ask questions If you want them answered on the show, also be sure to read our stuff. Steve, you know, has all this great intel. Uh, It goes up online first, and it's more expansive there. He writes a lot more than he podcasts, as do I. Check it out all out at themichiganinsider.com, 247sports.com slash Michigan. However you want to get there, uh, you'll find it. But anyway, that's going to do it for the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Uh, We'll see you next week. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we will see you next week i kind of butchered that didn't i oh well but see ya